you are listening to the Midnight Movie Snack Podcast with Chris and Garrett. Hello, and welcome to the Midnight Movie Snack Podcast, episode 23. Are you there, God? It's me, Samantha. Tonight, Garrett and I are kicking off our Summer Movie Commentary Festival, celebrating the works of one of our favorite filmmakers from the 1980s, John Hughes. We begin our festival with Hughes' directorial debut. From 1984, it's 16 Candles. After a promising career as a comedy screenwriter for National Lampoon's Vacation and Mr. Mom, John Hughes earned a movie deal with Universal Studios. His first film for Universal, and arguably one of his best, explored adolescence, teenage love, and the social aspects of high school, setting the stage for five more films in the years that followed that continued this exploration of what it meant to be a teenager in the 1980s. Garrett and I, like many people from our generation, are fans of John Hughes. His ability to blend comedy and drama, his use of talented young actors like Molly Ringwald and Anthony Michael Hall, and his musical tastes are just some of the reasons why we consider Hughes nothing less than a filmmaking legend. In the years since his movies, others have attempted to duplicate his work, but none have succeeded. And I believe that's a testament to Hughes' talent, originality, and passion. So, without any further delay, grab your copy of 16 Candles and join us for our movie commentary kicking off our summer festival celebrating John Hughes. With popcorn. I, I thought I'd seriously thought about going out and getting some because I last week I had some when we were watching the movie last week and I had a hankering for them tonight, but I just I didn't get any. So I'm just going to settle for the Wisps Parmesan cheese crisps. And maybe to- and yeah, maybe the Parmesan cheese crisp and Peter Mats will like to sponsor our <laughs> That's right. midnight snack, whatever and not, video. And it's time. not the nature made melatonin <laughs> for all your sleepy time needs. Or food line brand microwave popcorn. Hey. <laughs> Some somebody amongst those four, somebody's gotta be willing to uh, to show us Come on. show us some love. So right. I'm bringing out We're the, showing y'all love. I'm bringing out the John Hughes Bible. Um, it's a really good idea to like when you're doing this stuff to eat while you're talking. Um, yeah, exactly. So I did read what this had to say. Hey, can, six- hey, can you pause? Yeah. Sorry, can you pause? So um, I had read this chapter about 16 Candles a while back. Um, and so I was just kind of going back to it to kind of refresh my memory. And, um, there's some interesting, um, things that, that I came across that, um, so apparently when John Hughes was writing 16 Candles, um, so an agent, um, had given him a bunch of like eight by 10 headshots of actors and he came across Molly Ringwald's, which 
I'm assuming is this picture right here. It looks like a, a headshot kind of photo. It does look like one. And um, apparently he like put it above his desk where he was typing the script and used her as kind of a visual, you know, and yeah, exactly. A visual. Um, I read the same thing. Yeah. Um, and, and then, uh, so he apparently had not, she had, Molly had done some TV and she had just done a movie not long before, like the year before. Um, that got some really, I think she won a Golden Globe nomination or something for it. Um, it was called Tempest. And Hughes claims he never saw the movie. Um, he didn't see it until after he worked with her. Hmm. But that just her picture kind of fit his vision for what he was thinking of when he was writing Samantha's role. Um, he, uh, it says here that he felt Anthony Michael Hall um, had done such a great job on vacation. He felt like he had stolen all of the scenes from Chevy Chase when they were together that he was like, I want him for this movie. Like he, he just, you know, he felt like when he was writing the geek, um, he definitely had uh, AMH in mind. Um, the other interesting thing that I didn't know before is uh, the actor who played Dom, uh, Getty Watanabe. Mm-hmm. So uh, apparently the story goes that uh, I guess the, the agent, the casting agent called him up about the role and um, she didn't recognize his voice from like, you know, he did an audition and I guess he, he basically like modeled his accent off of a Korean friend of his, but Getty was raised in Utah. And he, he had been doing theater in New York for a long time. In fact, he'd been doing Shakespeare. And so he was, you know, like a classically trained actor who was like auditioning for this part of like this stereotypical Asian exchange student. Very stereotypical. And yeah. so, but the agent, you know, when she called him on the phone, she's like, uh, man, speak to Getty. You know, she's like, she was like, wasn't sure it was him. He's like, yeah, this is Getty. She's like, where's your accent? And he said, well, I was, I was kind of born in Ogden, Utah. So <laughs> he's like, I don't have an accent. So he had to like base his accent off of a friend of his. Um, and then there was one other thing. Let's see. The girl that plays that, the tall girl that he gets with in the movie, apparently, um, so he was he was at a play off Broadway. Um, in fact, it says here it was so off Broadway, it was in New Jersey. But <laughs> she, she was this actress in a play. She's six feet, six foot tall, or six feet tall. And she didn't even have an agent. She was just starting out. And so it was just like, he saw her and he was like, you know, he told John Hughes, like, this is, this is the actress. Like she's, she'd be perfect for this. And, she, and John agreed with her, agreed with him. So, um, uh, much everything else you know just kind of um nothing else that kind of stood out that like was like oh i didn't know that um what is interesting is that so many of the so many people in the cast um and i'm thinking specifically like the grandparents i mean these were established actors they had been acting in all kinds of stuff for years and getting them together to play these roles. I mean, I, I kind of wonder what it was like for them because 
these were folks who had been kind of in the golden age of Hollywood movies, you know, like studio movies where they were under contract, you know, to do all these pictures and then to be in something like this, which was definitely not, you know, geared towards their generation or anything like that. So I, I wonder right. like what it was like. I, I do, from what I read, it seemed like Hughes was very enamored. Like he really, liked these actors that played the grandparents because he knew them from movies that he'd seen uh, when he was younger and he saw it as an opportunity to kind of um, plug them in uh, into his first film. But um, I got to say like, you know, for a first time film, uh, first, first time director, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it holds up really well. I mean, I know there are some people some friends I have who, who will say this is the best movie you ever made. Like they think it just doesn't get any better than 16 candles. Um, I certainly felt that way for a long time uh, until, you know, things like Ferris Bueller and Planes, Trains uh, and Uncle Buck came along. But um, what's really interesting, and I'm sure you probably heard of this, like in recent years, you know, they're kind of looking back at this movie with a more contemporary look especially in light of the me too culture and all of that right and, and they they don't there even molly ringwald i think wrote an article um she kind of wrote a something for i don't remember which publication it was it might have been the new yorker i don't know but um she's basically if i remember correctly she was saying that she just had a hard time watching this movie um, especially now that she has a daughter you know because she feels like so much of it is like this would not you know, this would not make it today. I mean, there's like, there's a lot of things, you know, from we're just talking about Dong and just what a stereotype he is in the movie. And then like what happens to uh, Jake's girlfriend, you know, her getting, you know, drunk and, and all the things that happens in it. So uh, I don't know. I, I, you know, I watched it a few months ago with Colin who was still 13 at the time. And, uh, you know, there are some things, and I was kind of curious to see his reaction to some of it. And there were a couple of things in the movie. He was like, wow. <laughs> he was like, that, they couldn't get away with that today. And I was like, yeah, you're right. Um, but still, I mean, I think it's, it still has, it really captures a lot watching it again. And I'm looking forward to watching it again now. There's so much of it that he really captured the feeling that you have at that stage of life where, you know, you're not a kid, but you're not an adult and you're wanting to be an adult, but you're still kind of stuck in between. And, you know, and of course, like it, this movie is like the worst case scenario, the worst thing that could happen to a 16 year old, which is such a big, like 16 is like such a big deal that they completely forgot her birthday. Um, it's one of those things where you're like, it, it probably hasn't happened to you, but you can certainly relate to just how she feels. But um, no doubt. So I don't know. You did you anything that you read? Anything interesting came up? No, I mean that one. I think I mentioned this in the from the past one that we've done. But like her mom is um, is is Watts is Watts is Watts' real mom and yeah. some kind of wonderful. Mary, uh, you can help me out. Mary Masters. Mary, Mary Stewart Masterson. Mary Stewart Masterson, yeah. So that's her mom. And that's kind of cool. That's a neat that there's uh, 
that you know that her mom worked with John Hughes on his very first film. Yeah. Even though so kind of wonderful was not directed by John Hughes, it's still John Hughes' film. It might as well have been, yeah. No offense to Howard Deutsch. Deutsch, he's you know how he how really put that. I really like how he did Deutsch's movies. I hope I'm saying his name right, Deutsch. Most I can't think. I mean, most of the movies he did. You know the John Hughes movies he, that he did. I mean, I really enjoyed. Um, Me too. But yeah, you know, it's funny you were saying that though about Mary Stuart Masterson's mom being Samantha's mom in the movie, or Molly Ringwald's mom. Um, you know how Hughes, or I don't know if Hughes actually said it or if others said it that like these movies are all like in the same universe. So like, you know, so I kind of had this funny thought of like. What if Sam's mom was actually, you know, Mary Stuart Masterson's character's mom, but she like got pregnant when she was a teenager and like gave her up for adoption and or something, yeah. some crazy way to connect it all. Well, you know what was wild is um talking about you know but that this is the same. I watched. I, I think and we, and we can look through it tonight on the video, but like Shermer High School was mentioned in or it's at least it's seen in in the breakfast club and i and it's mentioned in weird science or scene again but in this movie i don't i don't think there's anywhere that, sh- that actually i think i think john hughes has made reference that this all is in the same universe like you talked about but i don't think it's anywhere in the in the in the movie where Shermer high school or Shermer. Maybe Shermer, but my, but definitely not Shermer High School was is mentioned specifically. Yeah. And um, do you remember if if um, if in Pretty in Pink? It's been a long time since I've seen Pretty in Pink. Was that school identified as Shermer? I don't know. That's a good. That's a good question. Even though I was filmed in L.A., I don't know if it was. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> if somebody's listening to this, I'm sure that if we provide like email to contact us. I'm sure they'll email us and tell us. We'll probably have already seen Pretty in Pink now, by then. So now, what, now what's wild is like I saw I saw a meme that had um, it's it showed a picture of the high school in in the, um, in the Breakfast Club, and it said that that John Hughes used these you know, like used the same high school for all his movies, and I was like, and and actually it's like it was this is East Niles High School that was that you'll see at the very beginning when it says sixteen candles come across. And um, and that's the high school that's I think John Hughes actually no that's not the school he attended I take that back that's the school of Ferris Bueller to stay off is the one that he attended, um, but the East Niles High School is it got tore down that's the one you're talking about that guy yeah. that was, that was demolished and that's and that's a shame because that's a it's a really school. nice looking school really yeah it's just a it's classic that, it was a classic high classic school high school look. look yep I'm saying thinking the same thing. Um, but like it was a different high school used for weird science. It's a different different high school used for Breakfast Club, um, and it was a different high school used for Ferris Bueller's Day Off. It's, it's kind of funny that he used four different schools for four different movies that he four different teen movies that he filmed up in up in Chicago, and he used four and he didn't go to the same one twice. You know, um, I think I think you're onto something there. Maybe maybe one is Shermer, one is West Shermer, one's East Shermer, and one's like South Shermer. That could now that could I like that I like that thought that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, um, you know that's it's so funny because I think you know he he kind of was in a way a trailblazer in that 
I think it's what's taken for granted today, like, especially when you think about like the Marvel universe, the cinematic universe, DC cinematic universe. Like, I mean, not that John Hughes films are superhero movies, but just he had this idea that this is all part of the same universe that like these characters are somehow connected. You may not see it in the movies where like, you know, Ferris's parents are hanging out with Samantha's parents one weekend for dinner or, you know, Neil Page and his family, you know, their kids go to the same school as, you know, somebody else's young, you know, siblings do. Um, But it was kind of, he was kind of ahead of his time in that having that idea that like, these movies in some way are all connected, um, you know? And so at least in his mind, I think from what I've read, right. he, he had a sense that, yeah, these are, these characters all live in the same world. Um, I mean, I'm sure if he, if he could go back, I mean, well, this is his very first movie. So I think mean, maybe that's one of the reasons why Sherman high school wasn't like, because you look at the movie and this one, I think the, it's green and yellow are the school colors. And even on the coach's jacket, you'll see Niles East or something, just briefly, but it's on his, briefly, it's, on, yeah. it's on his jacket. Um, but it'd be, it'd be kind of neat, like if he could go back and specifically, I mean, and and put Shermer in this one and say Shermer High School, Shermer High School, and or mm-hmm. even Shermer East, Shermer West, that'd be kind of neat. Um, and then the same thing goes with like the, with like Christmas Vacation and the in the Vacation movies, like putting Shermer. Because that's kind of like that's isn't that supposed to be supposedly the town? Even though is is it ever mentioned? Supposedly, I don't know. I don't think it's ever mentioned, Shermer. But I, don't, I, I think don't it's know supposedly. It uh, I think it's again. I think it's supposed to be in his world of yeah, of, of well, characters. Yeah, it's like I think he had. I mean, a lot of this was created out of his nostalgia. I think for for Shermerville or that that area that he grew up in. And, you know, I totally get that. I mean, what's interesting, though, is like if you what, when you read about John Hughes's life when he was in high school, um, I mean, he he was a, he was kind of an eclectic or kind of odd kind of guy. I mean, he wasn't a total outcast. I mean, he, he wound up dating one of the cheerleaders and wound up marrying right. her. And he was definitely into music. Um, in the music of the time. So he wasn't like a square or, you know, but he, from what I read, he wasn't like popular, you know I mean? He was a little bookish, a little artsy, a little, you know, his style of fashion was a little, you know, out there. Um, But he was also, you know, one, you know, won the heart of, you know, one of the cheerleaders and the photos that I've seen, of them when they were young. I mean, she was, you know, she was a really pretty lady. So, I mean, he, you know, he definitely, he, uh, he, he married out of his league, which I think he, he has admitted in interviews in the past that he's like, I, I, I married up. Right. Um, but yeah. So anyway, this is, um, I remember when this movie came out and I wasn't able to see it in the movie theaters for, I don't even remember why. I just, for whatever reason, I want to say it was because it came and went kind of quickly, but there's one thing that I do remember that at the time I thought was really cool, but now in hindsight, I'm like, what were they thinking? So here, here I am um, when this movie came out and, you know, I was right in the, 
the age range for this movie kind of like right there you know the sweet spot of like this was definitely i was the demographic that they were going after i my i will you know i'll be the first to admit i may be displaying a faulty memory here that maybe i'm just remembering things wrong and maybe i just need to research it and see if i can find it if i'm correct in remembering this but one saturday morning during saturday morning cartoons during a commercial break, they showed a trailer for 16 Candles. And the trailer <laughs> was really spinning it like, it's a movie for kids, you know, like, or at least like, you know, young teens. And it, I remember it showing the scenes with Farmer Ted in the, uh, the Rolls Royce, where he looks at the camera and it says, this is, you know, this is going to get really interesting or whatever. I forget the actual line. Um, and then he drives off. That was in the trailer. And I just remember thinking, you know, this looks like this would be a fun movie, but I didn't get to see it in the theaters, but I got to see it the following year, I believe when it came to cable. And I mean, of course I loved it. And every time it came on HBO, I watched it. Yep. So that, that summer it was on HBO. I think if it was on, I was watching it. Um, there are certain, like, I don't remember like certain lines verbatim, but there are certain images that I'll point out as we're watching that like that just has stayed with me forever. Um, but I would say that as much as I love his other teenage films, this one, I felt like he really nailed the look and feel of high school. You know, like he just nailed, there's certain things that he captured in the movie that some of them are just like brief scenes that last a couple of seconds, but they are just like, man, he nailed it. Like he totally got you know, he got the bus. He life. got the bus. He got the bus scene down to perfection. Yep. Um, the Absolutely. dance about you know the dance about people sitting on the side, even though uh -huh. there's probably more people dancing than, than I remember. Yeah. Dance, but still, it's like going people kind of hanging out to the side, especially the geeks, and that's where I identified as. And even though I don't remember anybody being like the king of the geeks or anything right. like that, that kind of stuff, but. But it's just like, you know, I can see that happening. I mean, um, just guys just getting the – it's not just being nerdy, but just getting the whole – but getting the geek aspect of it where these guys are just different, awkward, you know. And, um, of course, Anthony Michael Hall, he hadn't hit his growth spurt yet. He hadn't hit some stuff. But, like – because, like, if you look at the character he was in, in Vacation, Rusty, I think he's – I think you play that to a much cooler degree – you know, like, especially like when he goes to see Cousin Eddie. Oh, yeah. Kids, oh, yeah. Like, you know, hey, you guys got asteroids or and he's like, oh, my dad, my dad does and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, but, but he, well, but he really like, and maybe the braces help, you know, help this and whatever. Mm -hmm. But he, he just, I think to me, it showed his, his acting. Oh, yeah. Whatever. Oh, yeah. But they, but, but they, did, they did a great job with casting. I think that was the, they absolutely that, did. Was, that was the key. And, yeah. and, and, and I think about our time at Northern High School, whatever, you had that, you had those kids, you know, like Jake Ryan, who probably played football and yeah. probably was a quarterback or mm -hmm. was a star of the football team. And he would have, and he would, and he may have been rich, he may not have been rich, but he would have been popular for sure. Oh, and yeah. there was, and there was that, and he, and he may have drove, you know, the nicest car, may not have drove a Porsche, but you know that would have, but you know, we're talking yeah. about different, different kind of neighborhood as well. But yeah, um, yeah, I agree. Let me with, ask you. With you. Let me ask you this question. So. Of all the John Hughes movies, if you had to pick one character, who would you say that character 
best reflects how you were in high school mm. or how you maybe either how you were in high school or how you perceived yourself in high school. Well, I know about high school. I thought I got in that one through, but you're talking about how the movie like speaks to you mm-hmm. or your demographic. It's like mm-hmm. going, it's like anti Michael Hall. The farmer said, yeah, it's probably like, it, it kind of gave you a little bit of hope for me at least. Cause I was like, I was considering myself in that. And okay. I was, I never was like smart enough to be a nerd, but I was probably like definitely geek enough and hair everywhere. And <laughs> I mean, just, you know, just, awkward. I mean, I felt awkward. Just, I mean, I mean the way he looked and, and did, I kind of felt that way, but it's like, it was kind of like, dude, you're cool. You know, it's like, this guy ends up with, yep. and I never talk about the me too movement, all that stuff there, but it's kind of like, you know, but still it's like, here he is. You know, through humor, he befriends Jake and some of, and, they, and of course, that he likes, you know, my Ringwald's character. But, um, but I would say in, in junior high school, I would say, I think, I think that character probably, yeah. I, I identify, identify with him, even though I don't think I was ever like made it to like, you know, like the cool as he was at that same time frame. Yeah, but high school, you know, I don't know, man. High school would be a whole different story, and you know, never was cool with Ferris Bueller, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> but who, you know, but who is? But yeah, true. Well, you were, but that's about no, that's about no, no, no. Got. You know, so this is what I was gonna say. So, like, I identify with Ferris, but I'm nowhere near as cool as Ferris. You know, was nowhere near as cool as Ferris is in the movie. But there is one aspect of Ferris that felt like me when I saw that movie. And it's when Grace, the secretary, the school secretary, you know, is talking about Ferris to. Righteous uh, dude. Yeah. But she's like, he's popular, you know, with everybody. And what I identify with is that I wasn't popular, but I wasn't like a total outcast. Like I had, I actually had friends who were kind of on the fringe and I had friends who were popular, or at least, you know, I was on good terms with them. But really, I was kind of in between. But I also, you know, was able to have, I had friends in all kinds of different groups. And um, and it's funny thinking about that because um, I definitely was way more outgoing when I was in high school than I am, I'd say, as I've, as I've gotten older. I think I've gotten more introverted as I've gotten older. But, um, but I identified with that. I'm like, well, I'm, I'm not, as, uh, not as cool and I don't dress as snazzy as he does but um there's a there's a certain aspect of him that i, I identified with yeah more than any of the other i think characters. everybody wanted to be I, th- I, th- I think that was it too it's like it, how much you 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 felt like you were that character i think everybody kind of like especially a guy you kind of wanted to be that character mm-hmm. you know that i mean yeah it's true that um, is true yeah, I, I, I mean, the first thing is like, first of all, I liked Matthew Broderick because I knew him from war games and, and oh, no. all that. And, and, uh, and, but I just also thought, man, he just dresses so cool. Like, I wish I could dress like that because that's just, I really liked, you know, his ensemble in that movie. I just thought he looked sharp. Oh, yeah. um, but uh, anyway, so, um, so really good movie. We're getting ready to watch. I'm really excited about this. Um, Can't wait. It, even though I saw it a couple of months ago, um, I'm really looking forward to watching it again. All right, so I've got it synced up. I think we're pretty close to the same spot. I'm going to turn the volume down on mine. Oh, I've already got it down. Um, I've got closed captioning. I may turn it up a little bit as we go, just because there's some 
this DVD that you got me, it has the original music from the movie. Cause I think when it showed on TV, they changed the music in some places. So this okay. apparently is the original soundtrack music. So I'm really excited about that. Um, so, all right, I'll count us down from three. So three, two, one, play. Okay, you say so the uh, closed captioning font on the PlayStation 4 is incorporated. Uh, I see the car, the, the truck. He's throwing the papers right. and the dog yep. is running. Yep. John Hughes film. Yep. Yep. We're, we're right on sync, I think. Yep. Yep. I think I'm actually a second off, but it's okay. Now they don't give that little sister much time. They don't. So this kid here that plays the brother, I think the youngest he, Oscar nominee ever. Yeah, but he also, yeah, he was the youngest Oscar nominee for his part in Kramer versus Kramer, which is a really good movie. Um, I didn't see it until years after it was released, but really, really good movie, and he was great in it. I saw it as a kid. My parents, you know, being an only child, my parents had to take if if they couldn't find a babysitter, I had to go with them. Yeah. These sort of things, and that's when the movies. My parents got said, "Well, he can he can see that or whatever." I remember, like, <laughs> yeah, that was like the most one of the most heartbreaking thing. I it like, was. I it's a tough kid, movie. Like, crying and yeah, that scene where Hoffman's trying to make French toast for that kid and everything's going wrong. That is like, yeah, it's a tough scene. But I, I mean, I seriously, I mean, that's probably the most serious movie I ever, I ever saw. I mean, at an early age of like, yeah. Yeah, that that's that's definitely yeah, <laughs> not one you take kids to see. <laughs> Thanks, mom and dad. Now, supposedly, just like in John Hughes' other film, he used a ton of film. So there's a ton of different, like, shots from different different things that he didn't go, you know. So I would love to see what could. Let me call, out, let me, let me call this out before I forget. Paul Dooley, who plays Sam's dad, he is so good in this movie. Um he was, th this performance really was what made me take notice of him. So that anytime in the future when I would see him in something, I would be like, it's Sam's dad. You know, I knew it was good. He, he was going to be good. You know? Oh, yeah. Runaway Bride. It was, I thought, when I, ever, when I saw it, I thought about this movie. Uh -huh. 
Now, I, I think I told you this in another Zoom, but he he was not going to take this role because he, he didn't think there was enough there's enough to it, like meaty stuff to it. And and until until he's wrote that scene, that scene, that yeah. scene that they, you know, he you know tells her that he forgot their birthday and sorry, whatever. Yeah, that's what he did. That too. that scene is a scene that I, I you know I remember when I was into theater and acting. I always thought that scene is a scene that a really good actor. He smiles. There he goes. Yep. So here we go. So some of the things here, these opening images to me just capture high school perfectly. So I'm like a second behind you. So I maybe mention oh, these a little later, but. Oh, and there's what that kid's jacket even said. Something he smiles. But it's uh -huh. for a second you see glance. Yep. I told Colin when we watched this, I said, yeah, this is what kids look like my age back then. He's like, wow. He's like, they wore Chuck Taylors. I'm like, yeah, we wore Chuck Taylors. Gosh, those shoes. And that actually, actually this, the, the hands in the pockets. That's such a high school thing right there. Yep. And there's Sean Cusack. There's the thing. Mm -hmm. It's Michael Hall's the geek. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just it was fun telling my son, you know, my teenage son, that like, yeah, the pinky holding the pinkies. That right there was something I used to laugh about when I would see couples walking around like that. Oh, and the buttons all over the jean jacket. Yep. And then writing on your knee with an ink pen. That was something like the girls in, at Northern, they would. Oh, okay. Executive producer Ned Tannen. There's our Back to the Future reference. Oh, yeah. People want to know where Biff Tannen comes from. Well, there you yeah. go. That for him. Okay, so this movie was filmed in the summer of 1983. I was wondering about because, like, they filmed it in the high school, obviously, and they filmed out front, and they obviously filmed in. But so, yeah. so these are all extras. Yeah, all extras. Probably all went to school there. But it was like, yeah, so it was six weeks during the summer of '83. This was filmed. I always wondered about this girl that played Lane. Like she did a couple of things after Sixteen Candles, and then I think she became a writer. But when I first saw this movie, I had a crush on her. So I love how the very first one is—that's the very first question. Oh yeah, like, what are we talking about? Oh, there is the coach, Niles East. That must have been Shermer's rival school. <laughs> there we go.
I guess this would be either an app or texting back and forth. Yeah, yeah, modern modern day text. Yeah. I don't know. How would you feel if they did a remake of this movie? Like a modern day remake. I think it would be, I mean, it would be interesting, but I think it would be would tough be. to kind of recapture. And I guess the question is, can they, could, would they capture today's yeah. kids instead of, you know, it's like, and would, and would us as the original audience be like, yeah, they just don't get it, but it's like, but, it, but maybe they do get it. You know, it's yeah. like. So that the guy that plays Jake, I'm sure you already know this, but you know, he, he did a few movies, but then he left Hollywood and he was like a carpenter, I think in Pennsylvania or something. One of my favorite movies after this was vision quest. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I forgot yeah. he was in that one. He was in, and he's not the star. He's, he's, he's right. Modine's friend. And he's yeah. kind of like, uh, he's kind of he's a, like a punk, isn't he? He's like a he punk. Kind of, he just has a, yeah, he's, he's definitely not the preppy. He kind yeah. of has more of a rougher edge to him. Yeah. More, I mean, d- d- definitely not a rich kid, you yeah. know, not a preppy rich kid. So just, I mean, it again shows shows that he's that you know he's a pretty good actor too because that's that's yeah. really that's a good movie. I enjoyed it, but yeah, it's not for thirteen year olds. It's funny, you know, and Colin brought this up too when we were watching it. You know, my, when he was this was when he was thirteen. He's like he thought a lot of the styles, like what Jake wears and like what some of the kids wear. He's like that would totally fly today. Like it would, it would totally look normal today. And it's true. I think there's a lot in this that like, like, yeah, this could, this looks, a lot of it looks like today. A lot of it doesn't look like today, but. There's got, there's there's like three dudes with the red jumps, red jumpsuit. Yeah, I saw them. Are they a rap group? Okay, so right after that scene, supposedly there's a there's a deleted scene that you see on TV. Okay. Oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's, it's okay, let, me just, let me just let me just jump in. Let me jump in. I'm sorry, I didn't buy it then. I don't buy it now. That guy on the right is not a high school student unless he flunked out four times. I mean, seriously, he's old enough to be like. I mean, he must at this point. That actor must have been like 25. It's like you can't. He's no way. He's a teenager, not even a senior. Sorry, I mean to cut you off. I just had no, to point that out. That's just something about this movie that has always got me. It's like well, that dude. Look, he's got body hair. I mean, it's just like, come on. So, so what are you gonna do with her? She's obviously young, party serious. Maybe I'm interested with the party. Come on, Jake, it's all like your heart up. You got Carol, she's a woman. Unbelievable. I swear to God, Carolyn Mumford had to look about nine grades. And of course, this is a body double. This is not. Yeah, it's not uh, Haviland. Uh, yeah, but you know, she was uh, she was twenty four when she did this movie, so yeah. she was not. Um, right. See, it's it's that scene like that that just makes me think if, if there was a trailer during Saturday morning cartoons, I'm like, what were they thinking? 
I mean, this movie's PG, but this was before PG-13, like right before PG-13. Yeah. I mean, it really should have been a PG-13. I'm really surprised that, like, Hughes got that past the uh, the Motion Picture Association for their rating. There's Ted in the back with his uh, trombone case or whatever, the French horn. And this scene here kind of reminds me of... Uh, the scene at the end of Ferris Bueller's Day yeah. off the bus coming up. Oh, yeah. It just has that. Like, you could see this being like the same bus, you know, like. I have such horrible memories yeah. of riding the bus. When I got married and had kids, I swore that my children would never ride a school bus. It was just like, I was so traumatized by my experiences on a school bus. I was like, if I have children, they're never going to ride a school bus. If I have to. Yeah, you know, drive them every morning myself. I will. It's bad for your complexion. And that bus emptied out quick. Yes, <laughs> it know. did. I used to tie my jacket like that when I was a kid. <laughs> it had the polo, the polo long sleeve shirts. I think those were polo. Or was yeah, it saddle, saddle bread or something? I don't know. I told Colin that the girl on the right was said she's the voice of Jesse in Toy Story too, and he was like, "What?" He blew his mind. Oh, dude, man, that 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 the guy you mentioned, yeah, Jake's friend, he yeah. died in 2015. Really? Yes. How old? Years old. I was going to say, what is he, 72? <laughs> he was only 56. What year What year did he die? 2015. He was 56. Huh. He was 25 years old when this movie was called being it. filmed. Did I not just say, dude's 25 years old? I'm, I'm yeah. telling you. I, I didn't buy it when I first saw it. I still don't buy it. It's like, why did you cast this guy? He doesn't look like a high school student. He was like a college but, student. But, you know, he was in Fletch. Yeah. Yep. Um, I remember seeing him. Yeah, I remember seeing him in a lot of stuff. Good use of the Twilight Zone thing. Oh, I love, I love their their grandparents on both sides are awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're they're great. I think the older I get, the more I love them. I I kind of wish Hughes had done a movie about the four of them. (laughs) Sam. Sammy Baker Davis. Oh, that's another one. That's the next one. Yeah, it's another dad, granddad. (laughs) Ha ha ha. 
Oh God. <laughs> My little lamb shop. <laughs> She's not having any of this. <laughs> Arthritis in the fingers bothers me quite a bit. But... Grandfather Fred dumped our claim on Sarah's. Older? Shout out to Culture Club. Yep. Now the the rave ups who were on her on yeah. her notebook. Now that's her favorite. That was her favorite band at the time. Yeah. That was kind of cool. That yeah. she gave a little. She made sure they got plenty of. Um, uh huh. That was one thing. She definitely used her relationship with Hughes to like really put some some music, her, some of her favorite music out there. Even the styles, like um, yeah. the it was her idea to wear the hat. The yep. Whoever did the costume, people said they told her said don't do the hat. She's like, I'm doing the hat. Yep. And it. Well, there we go. Well, if it isn't <laughs> oh, and I just I thought this was hilarious with, with her grandma. Uh, yeah. Look, Fred. She's got her. <laughs> she's got her boobies. And they're so perky. <laughs> <laughs> you make her tinkle. <laughs> I better go get my magnifying glass. Oh, the poster that's on the back of Mike's store. I had yeah. that Heather Thomas poster. The Heather Thomas poster, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. I think when you turned 13, they mailed you one. I think I think <laughs> it had to be for you. Ah. Long duck dong. Always the gong. Every time they say his yeah. name. No. I, now that was obviously added in during editing, but I would love to know who's brilliant. Who idea thought, yeah. I got a feeling that was Hughes. That's all Hughes right there. Of course you got Mike wearing it's got a it's got a cub yep. shirt on. Yep. Drinking Coke. Uh, well he's poured it into a glass, but got Coke in the glass. Glass bottle with his Mr. Salty pretzels, I guess. Nice little snack after school, watching some TV, little black and white cartoons. The rice checks. <laughs> and he was, oh yeah, it was. You know, I think just at this point of the movie, I'm like, you know, all this stuff that's being made, like politically correctness today, looking back at this movie, I'm like, I'm like, John Hughes's humor, this sense of humor was not politically correct. The hell are you? you know? And I don't think he's like celebrating it. He's just, you know, he's poking fun at stuff. Does a little walking there, do you, buddy? 
So she's marrying that dude. Who are all these pictures of these guys on her mirror? That's what I want to know. It's a, a former. She says, you remember she said before, she goes, I've had many, I've had many yeah. men. Yeah, it looks like she did. Yeah, quite a few. One of the photos looked like John Cusack. I don't know if it was him, but it kind of looked like him. Well, one is actually a headshot from the guy she's, you know, Bohunk. Yeah. Um, His oily, her oily Bohunk. <laughs> yeah. She's like putting lemon under on her arm, her arm. Her elbows. Did you see that? She's got like a plate of lemons over there. Yeah, there's like that guy and then that guy. Like she really gets around. Yeah, there's what's his face. Um, yeah, John Capulet. Yep, he was destined to be the janitor of Sherwood. Maybe he, maybe you know, being the janitor, he was it was just a front. He's really in the mafia. It's just his. That actress on the left, I mean, I don't recall seeing her in anything else, do you? I really don't. Um, pull this up while we're talking. Oh, yes. That's it. Baker, let's see. And her, and her, her real last name is Baker. It's kind of funny. Yeah. She was in Raw Deal with Schwarzenegger. She's done stuff up to 2020. I mean, she's... Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Blanche Baker. You don't spell it, son. You eat it. Hey, I'll be right back. Okay. I'll just let it run. Not here, Chris, but I want to talk this. So this, this was filmed at a gym there at East Niles, and um, there's no air conditioning. I told you, summertime was being filmed, and they didn't have to keep refilling some stuff because, like, they, they get keeps getting sweaty. I'm, I'm telling you about this, even though you're not here. I'm just, I was talking about how, how hot it was in this gym. They were talking about how hot it was, they didn't, they didn't have enough money to. To, to keep it air conditioned oh, while wow. they film. Too expensive. So they had to keep like doing some different takes and they were sweating and changing clothes. And... Wow. <laughs> Sophomore. 
Boy, Cusack looks like a little boy in this. He does. I wonder if Hughes ever considered John Cusack for a leading role in one of his movies. I heard there was like, what I read is like he he kept he kept trying like John Cusack kept trying to, to get like he wanted to be Ferris Bueller. Um, I know he auditioned for Bender in Sixteen Candles. I do he wanted to be Bender. Six, yes, he yes he, he wanted to be Bender, and I think Hughes was really close close to that. Um, and you know, obviously, he he made the right choice. Yeah. I mean, to how great of an actor John Cusack is, it's like Judd Nelson gets that perfectly. Absolutely. So, I mean, here, but here, like, you know, like John Hughes really wanted Anthony Michael Hall to be, you know, he wrote Ferris Bueller with him in mind. That's right. Yeah. But, but to me, it's like one, and I think John Cusack probably could have pulled that off, but Matthew Broderick, I mean, it's just hard to imagine anybody. Yeah, no, I him. totally agree. And obviously, Anthony Michael Hall could have, could have, I mean, his, his, his comic timing at that time, it's so, so awesome. It's like he could have, he could have done it too, but still, Matthew Broderick just fits the. Oh, yeah. Just not even, not even close. No one else. And, and how much John Hughes wanted to, like, use Matt or um, uh, Molly Ringwald and, and Mike Hall again and again and again. I think it really, I think in the long term, I think it really helped by having other actors play some of these roles, even though they got to, you know, they got to do several of them with him. But, but just thinking like Ferris Bueller would have been another anti Mike Hall. I mean, how great anti Mike Hall is. And it's still probably still would have been great. It's just a matter of going, it just, you know, I like Anthony Michael Hall, but I think it's just because Matthew Broderick is so captured that character that like I can't imagine yeah, it's anybody hard, it's hard else. To, it's kind of it's kind of thinking about um, um Harrison Ford. You know, yeah. it's like Tom Selleck could have Tom Selleck could have been Indiana Jones. He he, he could have looked he could have looked apart. He's Speaking of that, enough. did you ever see the screen test that Tom Selleck did? No. So I had always wondered what his audition would have been like. Like, I don't, I mean, I, I was assuming that he auditioned. Well, they did a bunch of screen tests with him and other actresses that were auditioning for Marion. And don't get me wrong, I love Tom Selleck. He's like, I mean, he will always be Magnum to me. And I've always enjoyed, like, Quigley Down Under is one of my favorite movies of all time from the 80s. Uh, Runaway, uh, another 80s movie that doesn't get a lot of love, but I love it. So he's one of my favorite actors. I really, I, I even saw him in a play at Duke one year. He was, cool. he was, it was a touring production of something or a play that was going to Broadway and they were doing it at Duke. And uh, I had really good tickets. I had like almost front row tickets and he was fantastic. Um, but uh, seeing those auditions, like I'm so glad Harrison Ford got the role. I mean, it's like Selleck would have probably been good, but. Harrison Ford just brought something to it that I don't think Selleck would have. So he definitely, I will say this Selleck. So Lucas commissioned a bunch of drawings, like conceptual drawings for Raiders of the Lost Ark. And 
the guy who drew them or painted them, he based it kind of like as the typical Pulp Fiction kind of like hero, like like Doc Savage or Tarzan or something like that. And so Selleck in the costume totally looked that part. But uh, anyway, here we are. We're watching 16 Candles, so we're talking about Indiana Jones. But. Oh, I know, but it's just, it's just, it's just showing. Yeah. It's how we it's how we roll, man. With this <laughs> stream of consciousness movie view. But it does, it just talks about about how certain characters have become defined by absolutely certain actors but with certain characters are almost like you know, like synonymous with each other. That reminds me, so talking about Tom Selleck real quickly. So somebody have you ever seen these what they call deep fake? videos where they put an actor's face on another somebody went in with Raiders of the Lost Ark put Tom Selleck's face on Harrison Ford's body and actually it looks really good so visually it's like yeah he really pulled off of course when he opens I mean, his mouth and talks has, it's Harrison he, Ford's voice he has the he has the he has he had the build he had the he had the, the yeah the, he, he could be funny he could he's a, he could be funny and charming you could, you could see it oh, it's yeah. just like well it's, to me like, Quickly Down Under was like, I, I'm still to this day, I'm upset that that film wasn't as big as it should have been and be, had become like a, a franchise. I even at one point, this shows you how much of a geek I was um, about Tom Selleck and that movie. I, I, wrote, I wrote a screenplay called Quigley Down South, where he goes to South America. I need to see if I can find that. But, uh, but yeah, I wrote the script about him going down south you know, just somewhere down like Brazil, and I called it quickly down south. This scene here with John Cusack, yeah, yeah. one of my, I just, just, <laughs> the tongue. you know, she, she she takes she she only has probably what five minutes of screen time of that, yeah, and she makes the most of it. By, she really does. That, I thought that was so funny. Yes. Just trying to get a little bit of water, and <laughs> she uses the skirt on her shirt. That just cracks me up. This guy looks like he would kill. Yeah. Now that's your typical eighties. Oh yeah. Buffoon. Did you notice while while uh, Molly Ringwald and Anthony Michael Hall were talking, he looks over at Lane and, and mouths the words, "Who is he?" And she says something like, "I don't know." He just kind of like it's it's funny. There's just these little things going on in the background. That, yeah. And he looks like he's probably about 21, 22 years old himself. (laughs) I love it. He's just like checking it out. I love when he looks over. He just looks up at him.
the untucked shirt, the untucked dress shirt. That was also very popular. Did you take shop in high school? I did take, I did take, no, I, no, I took, um, I took like a woodworking shop thing. I thought, I thought you were going to say, uh, yeah, I did, no, I took home ec. <laughs> I took cooking. Uh, and then I took electrical trades in high school. I, t- I took one year of electrical trades. I yeah. wish I would have took more. Yeah. That's one thing I wish I had done too. I, I was kind of on the academic track, like solid academic. And, and that was not because my parents really pushed it, but it was just kind of like, well, I'm more interested in these things, but in hindsight, I wish I had taken as electives. I had taken, of course, I was busy on my choir and theater and band. Um, so that ate up all my electives. But in hindsight, I wish I had taken shop and like electrical trades. I took one year of it and I learned a lot, but I wish I would have took another yeah. year or two of it. I really those, those kind of skills, I mean, you can't, like, those are so practical, you know. But I got to say, this is a pretty impressive shop classroom. I mean, this thing looks like a garage. But you know, Northern had um, their their masonry. I didn't um, know they taught masonry. They did. Building was their area was like pretty impressive. The the, the let's go trades building uh, yeah. area was really impressive. Ugh, I was oblivious to all that. Had no I idea. And I don't know about. I don't remember seeing if we had a a mechanic. A shop like uh, probably did, but I don't remember if we did or we didn't. I feel like we did, but I always like I knew people who were taking sh- you know those courses, and I remember them always saying like you know it was kind of lame and it wasn't quite what they had hoped it would be. And I don't even remember who taught the. Well, actually, I do remember one of the teachers that taught it. I forget his name, but. Smooth move there, X Lax. Okay. Ding. No means no, bro. No means no. Oh, this is this. This is one of the funniest lines. Well, not really. I felt it on my leg. <laughs> Come on. I, I don't want to see it. it. Fresh breath. Oh. I'm sorry if I embarrassed you. Am I embarrassed? Fresh breath is part of my life. <laughs> and you cannot find those certs anymore at all. No, you can't. You cannot. Kids, they've been going, what are those? Yeah. I think Colin actually asked me, he's like, what are those? I'm like, they're, they're breath mints. He's like, I said, yeah, they used to have them wrapped up in rolls like, like lifesavers. So it was usually gold or silver paper. Yep. Hey, but a lot can happen over a year. I mean, you can come back next fall as a completely normal person. 
<laughs> and it's in a in what she said. It's kind of true. It's like it going, is. It, like, that in a lot of ways was my story. Like my sixth and seventh grade years, I was pretty much like him. But eighth grade, I got contact lenses, and you know, I started. I, I got a little bit taller than I was before. And I got, I slimmed down because I was really active that summer before my eighth grade year. And that's when like the girls actually started to like notice me. Like I started to, you know, find, find out that, oh, so-and-so likes you and this and that. So yeah, it's like, I felt like I came back eighth grade. I was like kind of normal. Like I wasn't. So yeah. I didn't look as geeky as I did years prior. Search, yeah, search was discontinued in 2018. What's that? Search? They were discontinued in 2018. Really? Wow. Recently. I didn't yeah. know. Yeah, me neither. We should have stockpiled them. Uh, who would have known? We could have stockpiled certs with Retson. <laughs> well, you know, I, was, I mean, I know we mentioned this probably on, on but um, Anthony McCall were like, when he was doing the Breakfast Club, which is next year after doing this, the following, the whatever. By the time they started filming, the time they finished, Jed Nelson said that he started out shorter than him and he ended up taller than him. By the That's time, right. I remember by the time that production was over, and um, and then you and then you, they go right into filming Weird Science. So you look at from this to Weird Science is only like a year year and a couple months oh, yeah. like, and you look at from what he looks like right there to what he looks like in weird science and it's like oh, yeah, yeah he did change yeah he definitely did he just transformed yeah I mean it's only a few love them Farrah Fawcett style bangs that she's got uh, feathered so Maybe you know the answer to this. So we know what happens to her hair in, in just a little bit. But uh, was that a, was is this a wig that she's wearing? I think they did use. I don't buy hair, but I think they used that for. That no, was not her real hair. They cut. Yeah. Okay. She's so pretty. And she has that typical. And I'm not saying that to be mean at all. It's just that she has that, like. And it's just she she's got that typical eighties yeah. hot girl look. Yeah, yeah. But, but she looks but she looks she's definitely all that, but she also looks like the girl that would hate you in high school. Like she would just look down on you. Yeah. Oh she played oh she played that great. It's kinda like Like I, I knew girls in high school like her that were like little princesses and they were spoiled and everything. And uh I just some that type of personality just always rubbed me the wrong way. I just even if they were beautiful, I was just like, "Yeah, you're beautiful, but you know you're ugly on the inside." So exactly, you know, I just don't find you any any attractive. Like it, it really lowers your physical attractiveness to me in such a way that's like I don't even see your good looks. I just see that you treat people badly, or you know, you're just you're a self-centered, self-absorbed kind of person. Mm-hmm. So Anthony Michael Hall, okay, so this came out in 84, but it was filmed in 83. But he was on Saturday Night Live for that that short season. That one with, year, yeah. That one year with, with Robert Downey Jr. in 1985. So this I mean, literally two years 
from from here. This is one of those songs. I'm sorry, I mean to interrupt you. This is one of those songs that I love from the soundtrack. But yeah, yeah, he kind of, it was a whirlwind for Anthony Michael Hall. I mean, just to come from this to be on, you know, going through those movies and doing the. Breakfast Club, Weird Science, and then it was was Saturday Night Live. The only thing I remember about his time on Saturday Night Live was in one skit, he played Daryl Hall, and he was hilarious. I've told you I want I want them to release that season. Same here. And we, well, you I don't know, care how bad they think it is. They need to release so it and let us when, watch it. When SNL had their la- their big anniversary thing a couple years ago, there's a an SNL app. Uh, I don't know if it's still available, uh, but it had a lot of their episodes like archived like old episodes and i actually found the episode where it had that skit that you and i died watching it wasn't the, they had the chippendales one but the one i'm thinking about is where the all of the the male cast members they were like on the beach and like dana carvey had like a baboon heart like he, they were all like deformed in some way yeah. He's like, the sun shines brightly on my baboon heart. I watched that skit again. It was with them and uh, Woody Harrelson, and it was so funny. But they didn't have any episodes from the Anthony Michael Hall year that I remember. Because, yeah, I'm with you. I'd love to watch those again. I remember watching them when they were on originally. And I I remember thinking, okay, this isn't as funny as I thought it was going to be. I mean, they had Billy Crystal. And they had Christopher Guest and they had um, uh, Martin Short and they were hilarious. But Robert Downey Jr. and Anthony Michael Hall and some of the other cast members, it was just like, this just isn't as good as I hoped it would be. I saw a promo and I'm looking at the thing is that, yeah, Madonna and Simple Minds were on an episode. Yep. Hosted it and, and he I and I, that. I, saw, I saw the promo for him introducing it with her or something that was that's like, right. I remember that. I, I remember that because that was in her heyday. And I also remember because I remember actually watching that episode because she had just married Sean Penn when she hosted. And so, as the opening kind of gag thing, you know, when she was doing her monologue, she was showing like videos from her wedding. And it was somebody that looked like Sean Penn. It was like, you know, but it clearly wasn't him. And he was just constantly beating up the videographer. So you'd see like, you know, she, she'd be narrating. She's here's me and here's the cake and here's my family. And here's Sean. And you just see him kind of like put his hand up and like hit the camera. Because <laughs> he had that reputation for like beating oh, up yeah. paparazzi. Oh, I just missed it. His, Samantha's dad's face at that dinner when he like rolls oh. his eyes. That is one of my favorite moments. He, he just, I laugh every time I see it. Let's go boogie. <laughs> is she like COVID disease? <laughs> so, yeah, it's this another house, song I love. This house is yeah. massive. Yeah. This is another song from the soundtrack I love. It looks a little bit like the Weird Science House, but it's not. It does. Like, yeah, it's not the same, but you're but right. It, but it's it, that tutor, that tutor style. style. Yeah. <laughs> Colin, when we watched this, Colin was like, 
is this what parties were like when you were in high school? I was like, no. I mean, you know, was there drinking? Yes. Yeah. You know, but was there this kind of like, it, it was not quite like this. I think this is definitely done more off of- This is more exaggerated. Like, more exaggerated and probably more of what a college, what they, they thought exactly. college party- Exactly. Like- because seriously, most everybody in that room looks like they could be in college. Now you do look at Jake Ryan there, you know, like here he's got his shirt all tucked uh-huh. in. You know, talking about talking about, you know, he definitely has that. Yep. What brand of beer is that? I've always. <laughs> I think they show it later on. Rolling the toilet paper in the trees. That dude passed out in the front yard. He just looks up. Dom has destroyed that car. He drove off with the takeout tray. Dom. Dom. Grandpa speaking to you. So funny. Woof. <laughs> yeah. Look at her. Oh, this it's is so awesome. And I love how you, you notice here, I've seen a thing here that they got their these these shots of like in each room is like the guy you know, he's got a picture of his girlfriend in there. She had it of her of her boyfriend and her, yeah. you know, Jenny Jenny's fiance. Yep. It's just love it. So Haviland Morris, who played um, Jake's girlfriend, is now a real estate agent. Interesting. She's sixty-one. Yeah, she's a lot older than. I wonder if uh, she still gets people like. Oh yeah, you were in Sixteen Candles. Yeah. Well, you know, she was also in Home Alone. Yeah. Home Alone Three. Yep. And I think she's naturally a redhead, if I remember correctly. <laughs> Long Duck Dong is just, yeah, he's, he's already like, he's there one day. And he's, <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> Don't be such a baggage. That's like that won't fly so much today, but that's so that's such an eighties thing. It wasn't even meant to be homophobic. It was just the fact of going exactly. It was just, it was just, Things have become so politically correct. It's just kind of like Of course, today this wouldn't happen to be text. You'd be texting your, you know, you want calling your cell phone, not their home, their home line. <gasps> I never got this. What Grandma says, sex. Well, he says when he, he says eat me when he and hangs that, up, or he yeah, says, but, like, but like I'm like, does Grandma got that kind of imagination? I mean, really. <laughs> oh, this. She's vicious. 
Oh, and there's Cliff's got, it's got the Niles. Yep. See, I think now, I, th I mean, I think if, if he if had done this movie after like Breakfast Club or Weird Science, he would put Shermer in to make sure that he put. Oh, yeah. Jamie Gertz. Yeah. I, I really, I liked her, man. Me too. Me too. Oh, was, so you were correct. Yeah, she was. She she was wearing a blonde wig throughout the whole movie, not just for. I thought thing. so. I thought yeah. so because she's naturally a redhead, if I'm remembering correctly. Right, that's what they're talking about. Yeah. Okay, Carolyn, baby. just came across a poster of this movie and I got to read you like most movie posters just have like a little tagline. This thing has, it's like a short story. So the top of the poster says from the man who brought you Mr. Mom and national lampoons vacation. It's the time of your life that may last a lifetime. Samantha Baker is turning 16 and she's fallen in love for the first time. It should be the best time of her life, but her family is so preoccupied with her sister's wedding, they totally forgot her birthday. The boy she loves doesn't know she exists, and the class clown is putting the make on her. And she still has to go to school, ride the bus, put up with an annoying younger brother, a hopelessly vain older sister, four delirious grandparents, and a whacked-out foreign exchange student. Well, hang in there, Samantha. The day's not over yet. You may still get one wish. 16 candles. Turning 16 isn't easy when you're falling in love for the first time. You know, Hughes wrote some of the copy for the marketing and advertising for the movies, and I'm wondering if he wrote that. So, yeah. John Hughes would write some of the, the marketing, like, so for example, oh. um, the Ferris Bueller um, poster where it said leisure rules, like he came up with the taglines and the marketing and all the stuff for the movie. So I'm wondering if he wrote that copy that I just read. Well, I mean, his advertising background. probably Exactly. Yeah. I mean, he, so, he okay, definitely, he tried to control a lot of the advertising and marketing for his movies. Yeah. So what were you say? There was a hole, there's a hole in the, there's a hole in the, in the, um, in the ceiling and the, 
the owner of the house said he's going to get it fixed before they before they filmed it. Yeah, yeah. had some issues or something. Johnson said, "Don't worry." He says, "He goes, I'm going to." He goes, "I'm going to use that somehow in the movie. I'll I'll figure a way to use it." And it was supposedly Getty who came up with the idea about the about the um, about about that bicycle thing where oh, really? he came home on it. He he found it and but and, and and they talked about how cool he was about like they had ideas and they would tell him and he would he would go with it and say sure let's do it let's try it. He was always just wanted to if you if you came up with a way to make something funnier he was he was all in favor of and I th- I, I think most actors talk about how that his dialogue, his script dialogue was not as important as it was getting the best out of it. You know, like if you could yeah. change it and make it better, he was fine with that. He didn't care. Yeah. Old style. Old there we style. go. Old yep. style. Forgot. Old style. That must be like a beer local to. Chicago area, like Illinois, because I don't, I don't even think that's. It's either not a real beer or they don't make it anymore. At least it's not around here. It is. Yeah, they are a Chicago staple. Figured that was. Such a good scene. And I, I got to give credit here, you know, again, that Paul Dooley is just a great actor. But what I love about this scene is something that I've often had a problem with television and movies. This is a scene where the dad is the one who is sympathetic and understanding. Usually it's the mom and usually the dad is portrayed as a moron. Like it's so refreshing. This is one thing that I don't care what people say about this movie today. That right there is so different and so ahead of its time in terms of like showing a dad who really cares about his daughter and is sensitive. Like he realizes that he screwed up and he apologizes to her and he goes to her, he listens to her and he he's very understanding he's not just like oh you'll get over this sam it's no big deal like he really is like supportive of her and her feelings and it's just it's a it's a really good scene and i think it goes you know from what we see in um pretty in pink how it's the dad is still there yeah. and, and, yeah. and and obviously not as as um he tries you know obviously he has some issues yeah. that he's dealing with and pretty in pink but yeah another and the dad's more prevalent in some kind of wonderful. I mean, yep. the mom's there, but you don't, yep. you don't, it's not much. Yep. And I don't, I don't think that so much is John. He's thinking about his own, his own dad, as much as he's thinking about how he probably wished his dad would have been or how he wants, how he wanted to be. Yeah. You know, as a father, you know, which supposedly he was really a good dad to his kids. So, yeah, yeah. 
Mike thinks I'm a door. Mike is a door. <laughs> Sorry, I'm ahead. I'm, 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 I'm saying even, even, even before they say it. Yep. They're easy to call something else. That's a good line. Yep. Oh, this is a great line, too, but how he explains both his yep. kids, the daughters. Yep. You know, it's, it's I'm just thinking about Jake Ryan, the guy, Michael Schofling, how you say his last name? Schofling. Schofling. Yeah, I believe that's how you pronounce it. It's, um, you know, they talk about how he's a, he's a, a furniture maker yeah. or he, he does, you know, something like that up in Pennsylvania or someplace up north. And I'm just surprised that it's talking about how he's went off the grid, you know, kind of deal. He's not in public eye. But I'm surprised that no one has, like, hunted him down and like got pictures or, you know, try to take pictures from afar or whatever. Cause it's like going, cause you know, cause I, I know women always want to know about what happened to Jake Ryan, where, you know, where's he, you know, you know, where is he? And, Not many girls in contemporary American society today See, like, there's there's a conflicting things. Here, Jake wants a serious girlfriend. He's tired of uh -huh. party, just you know, whatever. Even Nathan McCall goes, "Look, man, if you're just trying to if you just want a piece of asses, I'll, you know, I'll find somebody bigger than bigger than you to kick your ass, kind of deal." <laughs> yeah. But then he then you have the scene where it's like. You know, maybe, you know, whatever happened between. Look like somebody wrote like yum or something on the side of the, look at the behind Jake to his, his right shoulder. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It says, it looks like it said yum. Yum or something, yeah. 
Can't leave her some parking lot. I didn't leave her. I was with her. And I love that Frank Sinatra song playing the Batman. Yeah. So supposedly this this Rolls is um was a friend, a John Hughes friend his a. One of his friends is his father's. It was his father's roles, and he borrowed, like they borrowed it for the movie. Yeah. Here's another song I love. Yeah, I think there's more. I bet you there's this is edited. There's more to this than. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Like they allude, you know, obviously there's a much allude they allude to, but I bet you there was much more films. I would not be surprised.
<laughs> I love how he, he just scoots over. Yeah, there's Nazis. So, so like Samantha Baker's house, Jake's house, this house, the church, pretty much everything is still there except for the high school in this movie. Yeah. Like if you're if you're looking, if we go to Chicago and look, I think pretty much everything except for the high school is the only thing that's not this high school has been torn down. But the Breakfast Club High School was still there. It's a state police headquarters now. Uh, the Weird Science High School is there, uh, and the Ferris Bueller High School, which is John Hughes High School, is still there as well. That would have been. Breaks the fourth wall here. I love you. This, that's it. That was what was in the trailer. This is getting good. That's right. This is getting good. Kids, kids in your cartoons. I'm gonna tell you. <laughs> what is on his head? Now the guy playing opposite John Cusack, they found yeah. him. I think at an arcade or something. Yeah, but then he was used again. We, we saw him in Weird Science. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So that kind of goes along with it. Could could it be like? He was in the mall, right? Yeah, he was in the mall. He was, he was back at the same arcade where they found him. <laughs> Toilet paper on the tire. <laughs> I 
So I got a question for you. I'm not able to find the answer. So that scene with Jamie Gertz when they were cutting um, Caroline's hair. Do you know what I'm talking about? Do you know who that actress is? Because I've been trying to figure out, like, I don't remember her character's name. The other, the other. The yeah, the girl was like in the fur coat. Yeah. Because she looks familiar, but I can't place her. Like a wild catch at the moment. Oh. <laughs> I love this photo. It makes me laugh every time I see it. <laughs> That's so typical of my hair. <laughs> uh, priceless. This scene was also added. John Hughes didn't have this in it originally either. Oh, really? But, um, she she went and told to Hughes, and um, he liked her. She was in the best little horror. She was the the lead in the best little horror house in Texas in a, the play. Yeah. She was, and he he liked her in that. And that's why he passed her. And he says, and she told him, says, if you really appreciate my motherly role he goes he goes also he goes she she says she thought like you know like the mom would acknowledge as well yeah so he added he added that in as well and on on her on her request right so i um 
I pulled up the uh, the house, the Baker house on Google Maps, and it looks exactly the same. Yeah, it hasn't changed much. It's not changed. Yeah. It's a nice house. It's a nice neighborhood. Like, I love some of these houses here, like across the street. Yeah. Some really nice homes. So the actor's name is, the actress, uh, her name is Tracy in the movie, but Elaine Wilkes. Elaine Wilkes. And she's, I mean, she has more blondish hair now. She's actually quite attractive. I mean, oh, here's the yeah, the cool thing is like the on the cars V58. Yep. yep. We talked about that before, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That was the vacation, the nod to vacation, 50, the story in uh, National Lampoon, vacation 58. Yep. And then the, the other car is the, his birth date, which him and Molly Ringwald share the same birth date. Well, the, the month and the date, not the year, but. Yeah. Oh. Oh, you see? Oh, oh, oh. oh. What did I miss? So, so she couldn't. The grandma couldn't. Grandma couldn't get couldn't get in the car. There wasn't room for. Her, so she just ducks down, and you see it just just for a second. She's on the really? other. Yeah, on the, on the driveway. She just ducks when they when the car starts to back out. You see her. She just ducks down. Huh, I totally missed that. You have. All this time I've seen it, I've totally missed it. I read that somewhere. I never saw it either until I just started to look for it. I read it and I I'll have to go back. I'll have to go back and watch it at some point. Now that I got the DVD, I'll probably watch it again. Well, there's just just look at just look at that scene, man. It's it's hilarious. It's like going, it's almost as good as well, it's not as good as a team whoop scene, but Which hopefully that's a is that a that's a way for what's coming next? We're gonna do team what next. <laughs> we talked about doing it. We talked about it, huh? Same. I love this. Is my automobile? I love grandma there. <laughs> that one cracks me up every time.
got the little sister and she's in the back just laughing. Yeah. Now does the you were said you look in the house. Does the house across the street still have all the ivy on all across the front of it? Oh, let's see. Uh, no, it doesn't look like it does. You said across, right across the street? Right across, directly across it. Yeah, no, they took the ivy off. Oh, hey, Jose. Yeah, that's yeah, The organist, that lady from the Poltergeist movie. Yeah, no, it's her. So the, so, the, the so, the lady, so the lady she ends up sit, sitting beside is um, Bill Murray's mom. Really? And I know, yeah. And obviously, that's Bill, mother, Bill Murray's brother. He's the, oh, the pastor, yeah. The priest or whatever, yeah. But yeah, right there. That's, that's Bill Murray's mom. Bill Murray's mom. Oh, yeah, I kind of see the. Yep. And I don't and Yeah. I see I see that, the family resemblance. And that side of the family, man, it's like it almost looks like something out of a out of a Adam Sandler film movie. <laughs> it does. <laughs> the misfits over there on that yeah. side. Yeah. Groundhog Day. Yeah. Yeah. Vacation, Christmas vacation. Yep. That was Clark's boss. That's right.
see, here's, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to justify what this, what happened here, but it's like, obviously, he had, he, he had too much to drink. He didn't know, he, he didn't even know what happened. Yeah. She didn't know what happened. And I mean, we all, and I was talking about this about, you know, about, you know, it's one thing if a guy takes advantage of a girl and he's not, he's not drunk, yeah. and, but she is. But it's one thing if, if a guy's drunk and the girl's drunk, well, then you make some really bad mistakes. I'm not, yeah. I'm not all trying to, obviously date rape exists. Sexual assault exists. Those are wrong. Those are bad, awful things. Yeah. Sometimes when people make, when you, when you put yourself in those positions, you're, I'm not saying they're asking for it. I'm just saying the two people making two who already made bad decisions are making more bad decisions. Yeah. That's a great line. Do you know what happened? So the, uh, the church, and I pulled that up on Google Maps. It's still there. Yep, it's still there. Yep. And the uh, parking lot where they shot the scenes is right down from the church, it looks like. Yeah, there's some big scissors. I, th I mean, I think from this movie, everything but the high school is still. But again, this high, I mean, I think that's a really cool high school. But again, like I said, other high schools have been prominent, more prominently, you know, Bref in the Breakfast Club was, they were in the high school the whole time, the movie. Yeah. And Ferris Bueller, you see it. Well, you know, you see it in that ge geographically, it's interesting. So I just looked on Google Maps. So where the Baker House is, is in Evanston. And the church is in Glencoe, which is about 12 minutes away. It's like seven miles down the road and it's almost like a straight shot. So it's kind of like, yeah, it's plausible. You know, this would be, you know, maybe their family church. Like, you know. <laughs> yeah. Like that whole air that I looked at one time before that whole, is it hasn't changed much the steps yeah. and you, you sound like grandpa there going not laugh right there he's yeah. <laughs> he just laughing up a storm too if you see him there It looks exactly like it did with Google Maps. I mean, it's really not changed a whole lot. The park and the parking lot, you know, and all yeah. of it. The parking spaces are no longer parallel, though, so I think they've widened the road maybe a little bit. It's got a cigarette. That's the 80s. Yep. Wow. No reception either. <laughs> it's like the sounds that she makes when she walks. I know. Just... That, was, that was such close. Just a little bit. 
I love this line. Here it is. Gosh, this movie went by fast. This is a pretty bridesmaid. There he is, man. This is wet. Yep. He put spots. She's so pretty in this scene. That little, those flowers on her head and everything. She's like. There's something about this this ending to me. It's just, it never fails. It's so sweet. It's just so. But in a weird way, it's kind of like, this is really the first time they're talking, you know? And it's just kind of like. Yeah. Good point. It's almost like a sleepless in Seattle kind of thing where they don't get together until the very end. Oh, here we go. Yeah. And dad's cool by his. Oh, there it is. Two eighteen fifty. That's that's John Hughes' birthday. You know, <laughs> and that's her birth. Two eighteen's her birthday. He's like, the kid's got a Porsche. Now this is the you know obviously the classic scene here at the end. Yeah. Great. The music is perfect. The Thompson Twins. I was a big Thompson Twins fan when I was a kid. Now, one of the funniest things is is the Dwayne the Rock um, does this in um, CIA movie he does with um, Kevin Hart, and this is he loves Sixteen Candles. His character does. Yeah, they do this. This is hilarious. But back to this, I read somewhere somebody says it's amazing. This about facts on the movie. Said that that was supposedly a, that was a cardboard cake. About the lucky thing it was a fire hazard, but but I, the book I read could ignore me if you tried. So Susanna yeah. Gore, the Duke of Lama, I did that before. I'll play it again. Give her a little little nod. But the, she interviewed the people who owned the house at J- Jake's house. Yeah, and said that. Um, that there was like fourteen to the fourteen cakes in their freeze in their in their refrigerator in their in their freezer about where they had 
they had them on like to do that scene. So that was not a cardboard cake. They had real cakes they were trying to do that they did for that, that scene. And so, um, so get a load of this. I didn't know this. I'm just looking at some trivia. Um, Vigo Mortensen initially he auditioned for the role of Jake and apparently Molly Ringwald really wanted him. She said he made me weak in the knees. Yeah. Kind of picture it's like a young Vigo Mortensen. You know, he, he, she, they kissed on their screen test. Yeah. In that thing. She did not kiss she did not kiss Michael on the in the on the on his audition, but she, yeah. but she kissed she kissed Vigo on on his, on on his, and she said, "Yeah, that was she, she. She was rooting for him, but I think they got the right choice." But I do too. I mean, but I got to say, Vigo's a great actor. Oh, he he probably have been great too. It just that was awesome. Yep, it sure was. That was uh, it was uh, it it never fails to. Uh, to live up to you know like repeat viewings that's like i still enjoy watching it get away from it too much yeah that Sorry. was um it's still one of man it's it's and, and some of it's just being nostalgia i guess and did you know that jim carrey auditioned for the role of ted the geek i can't say if i did or didn't know that it's apparently imdb has trivia that that's pretty cool if i read it i forgot that Again, I, I have a hard time picturing him. How would he have been? That's a uh, good question. He would have been. Let's just see. I've got to just compare. Let's see. Age yeah. To. He's 58 now. Yeah, he was born in 62. So he would have been, uh, what, 21? And. Yeah, he would. I mean, Anthony Michael Hall was at fifty-two. So yeah, he'd have been like twenty. Yeah, he would have been a lot older than you know. Anthony, the perfect thing about that is that Anthony Michael Hall and Ma Ringwald were their respect just about just about their ages. They were like fifteen, fifteen or something when they were filming this movie. Um, so yeah, yeah, I don't think he would have been right. He wouldn't have been yeah, right for it. It made it. It made it. It made it genuine, especially for those two. Even though like, that one dude's twenty five and the girlfriend's, you know, twenty one. And um... so when Jenny Sam's sister sits down in the scene, oh, so it says here that it wasn't Bill Murray's mom. It was Agnes Belushi, John Belushi's oh, mom. Oh, that's who it was. Okay. But I, when you said that, though, I thought for certain she looked like Bill Murray. But no, that's who it was. Okay, okay. That makes, yeah. you know, okay. Yep. So Molly Ringwald was interested in doing a sequel. After rejecting various pitches through the years, she said that in 2005, she read a 32 Candles script that she liked and had an interest in, had an interest in starring. Of course, 32 being 16 doubled. Right, exactly. Um, that that would have been, that would have been, that would have yeah. been. It would have been fun to revisit the characters. I mean, you know, I often think about these movies like, you know, if I if I could pick if if I can, you know, if there could be a sequel to one of them. You know, I know for uh, there was a time where people were like all about, oh, we need a sequel to Ferris Bueller, but honestly, between you and me, nope. I I, I think if if there was going to be a sequel to any of them, I'd love love it to be Sixteen Candles. Um, 
even more than like Breakfast Club. I just think Sixteen Candles is there's just some things there that's like oh, I'd love to revisit and see you know what's going on there with those characters. One thing here that's interesting, we're talking about the scene with Sam's dad when he talks to her. So Paul Dooley said that after the movie came out, for years after, he would have fans come up and tell him that they wished he was the fa- was their father based on that scene. Uh, the original scene as it was scripted, he says he asks her at the end of his conversation what happened to her underwear. But Molly Ringwald's mother pointed out that it was weird for a girl's father to ask that. So John Hughes agreed and changed the line. He thought he agreed it was creepy. So uh, just goes to show that even a perfect scene like that isn't always written perfectly. It sometimes takes a little fine tuning. Yeah, that it does. I'm seeing something about this because there's this little HBO guy things. I used to look forward to those guys when they came in the can yeah. mail. <laughs> well, it's funny. I told you, you know, like we didn't, we didn't get, we didn't. June, we got, I've got it. June of nineteen eighty-five. That's when it was because I just, I just pulled up a screenshot. Did you get yep. it? Yep, it was June of eighty-five. It was the uh, HBO Cinemax like guide. Year. It took a whole year to get. To... But that's about right. That was the, yeah, summer, the summer before I started high school. Although Sixteen Candles is a much-loved comedy, in the years since its release, the film has gained criticism, specifically for its portrayal of Long Duck Dong and its treatment of Jake's girlfriend, Caroline. While the film is very much a product of its time, there is a great deal of warmth and truth in Sixteen Candles, as evidenced by the shop garage scene with farmer ted and samantha and samantha's talk with her dad played by veteran actor paul dooley we hope you enjoyed hanging out and listening to our movie commentary of 16 candles you've been listening to the midnight movie snack podcast show your support subscribe and become a sponsor the link is in the show notes until next time thanks for listening